From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This is Real Talk, a new podcast series where we're going to break down the stigmas and feelings of embarrassment and talk openly and honestly about just how difficult breast cancer can be. From diagnosis to treatment to living with metastatic breast cancer to life after treatment ends. Today's guests had plans for their lives. Sarah and her family moved into a new house during the pandemic. They had a room picked out for a child she was pregnant with, had clothes picked out for her, and even a name, Leah Grace. Sarah was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer, an aggressive form of breast cancer, and miscarried her child. Her family was ready to take on the world, and instead, they were grieving. Katie is a mother of three children. Her husband was in his third year of residency when they found out Katie had inflammatory breast cancer. They were planning to move to a new state for his new job, enjoy their little family, and a life with a paycheck. They then had to redirect. They were scrambling to stay near doctors, panicking that Katie wouldn't be here for their children, and the paycheck would now be going to medical bills. Ladies, thank you for being on the show today to discuss your expectations for your lives versus reality. Uh, Sarah, let's start with you. What does your life look like now? Uh, well, we still live in the home that we were going to move to. That was a trip during the pandemic. But, you know, it's not what we expected, but we still have two great children. Um, I have my stepdaughter and I have my daughter, which I mean, they're both my kids. And life is good in a lot of ways. I'm not currently in like harsh treatment. So I still do treatment every three weeks. Um, I get immunotherapy. I get Herceptin. I take estrogen blockers, which we can get into talking about that those are awful. But I'm living. And that's something with metastatic, <clears throat> with metastatic breast cancer that I don't think you can take for granted. And so uh, there's a lot of the blessings in life. And I think we still, if when the date rolls around that, you know, miscarried Leah. That's still a hard one, but we have our way to remember her. But there's a lot of good in life. And uh, my husband and I are really thankful for the kids that we do have and the life that we currently have. Um, and even the house that we have, it was, it was a really nice upgrade from our little starter home. So <laughs> there's a lot of good. Mm. And, and Katie, where, where are you at now? Um, So I am still in the thick of treatment, actually. I found out that I had breast cancer um, last November, so November 2022. So far, I had four months of intense chemo. On April 3rd, I had a double mastectomy and had some lymph nodes removed. Right now, I am on starting week six of radiation to my chest. Um, and so I'm still kind of trying to get to a place where, you know, I feel, I don't want to use the word safe, <laughs> but like, um, kind of, yeah. I mean, where treatment isn't my everyday life and, you know, I still try really hard to live my life with these treatments happening. My kids do have to fight for time with mommy in between doctor visits and treatments and scans and all that stuff. but. If, if there ever was a pro to cancer, it would be really just living in every single moment that I have 
with them. So um, we're still in the first year of knowing about my cancer and fighting it and trying to get to a comfortable spot. So it's pretty crazy, but we're doing it. I wonder if like, if you could each maybe talk about how you're going about reconciling what your, your vision for your family was, your vision for your life was mm -hmm. versus sort of what you're dealing with now, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so my husband and I, we have been in the thick of him becoming a doctor for the last seven years. We did medical school and just finished residency. So we were looking at a time where he was going to have a set schedule. He was going to be home more. We were going to be able to travel. And, you know, we've, him and I have lived in North Carolina basically our whole lives. So we were going to try and adventure to a new state and actually, you know, have a paycheck that was <laughs> uh, able to live life with three kids. And that all exploded when I found out I had breast cancer because we could no longer move. I needed to stay with the doctors I had because I have some really amazing doctors. Um, we're close to family here. My amazing mom actually moved in with us when I found out I had cancer to help me take care of the kids. And so it went from it went from this dream we've always had of finally him having stability in his job and we were done having kids and we were finally just going to grow up with our family. And it went into this terrifying spot where that was no longer the case. You know, it was, it became, you know, how long is mom going to be a part of this? And that was a really hard transition because we had all this new happening and we were very excited. And then instead of our little family becoming the center of attention, I unfortunately became the center of attention and just trying to do everything that I needed. And so, you know, the expectation was here comes our family. We're finally on our two feet and who did we get pushed to the ground? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it completely rocked our worlds. Not that there's ever a situation where it doesn't and you find out you have cancer, but yeah. So now every day is, there is no plan. <laughs> we just take every day for what it is. And Sarah, what's, what's your experience been like? I mean, I'm listening to Katie and, um, like, I think I'm getting like PTSD back to the first year of cancer that like at the beginning there, you're just, I feel like you're on like this roller coaster that you can't get off of. Like you do what the doctors are telling you if you have doctors that you trust. Right. And I felt like I had a really good rapport with my doctors and I had doctors that I thought were really good too. And it's just, Every day something new, whether it's a new, you're, you're doing treatment or it's a new treatment or you have a new symptom, um, or I really struggled with like passing out with one of my, uh, chemo. So it's like we were at the ER. It's like, it's just something is going on. You're just getting hit with one thing after another and, and you're just trying to survive, right? You're just trying to make it through the next day. So that all just sounds so familiar. I was just thinking about some of the stuff people said to me. They just, you're like throwing me back there. It isn't, it is, it feels unsafe. I think that was a really important word that you used and wanting to get to that safe place. And I do feel like I am more of a safe place right now. Now I live by like scans, right? I get scans every six months. I get scans every eight months. 
And then sometimes I feel like I tell my doctor, like, my hips are really bothering me. So I have another scan right then, right? Because with stage four, you're pretty much, it's, it's not if, it's when, right, that it would return. Well, we do have a few outliers that are living much, much longer these days. And, you know, I look to them and I'm like, I, I hope, I hope I can be one of those people that, you know, that they got 20 years and they're still living. That's amazing. But, but scans are kind of what you live by and you're good for a while. And then those scans roll around and all the nervousness creeps back in. And, you know, for me, I put my faith in God and I want to be here as long as I can. But if it's, if it's my time, it's my time, but I can't help but stress out about that some. So for me, a lot of it is living the day by day with a waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? For me too is, um, while I'm done with most of the harsh treatment, I really, really, really struggle with the aromatase inhibitors or the estrogen blockers. I think those are a tough treatment. And I know some people are like, I feel great. And I'm like, that is amazing for you. For me, they make me feel like I'm about 120 years old. And so I just deal with a lot of pain every day. And that has made me feel kind of like less of a mom a lot of times to the family. We just had a big fair. I was telling Katie, like we, we were not able to like meet up and talk before this as much as we wanted. Um, the fair is a big deal, but to go walk around at something like that sometimes, I just wind up in so much pain. I'm just not like uh, an active mom the way that I would hope that I would be in my 30s, you know. The thing that I think people who are either not, you know, watching someone closely have cancer or have cancer is that the expectation is, oh, okay, so when I first found out about this, the, the journey was chemo, surgery, radiation, bada bing, bada boom, you're healed, hallelujah, right? Yes. And what I think people can't wrap their heads around is that that changes constantly. It's never black and white. It's never, you know, you do this, this, and this, and you're good. And that's really hard to explain to the people who are following me with on my journey. Even for my mom who sees it every day, it, she can't, when I'm like, well, it's kind of this, it's kind of that. And she'll be like, well, what does that mean? And honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm like, I put my hands into my doctor's, you know, my life into my doctor's hands. And I'm like, yeah, I just nod. And I'm like, keep me alive. Sounds great. But people will say to me like, oh, you're almost done. Like, and I'm never done. This is, this is it for the rest of my life. I will have scans. It, you know, it's not like you said, when and, or if it comes back, it's when it comes back. And I just recently found out more information that totally will change my treatment plan and how long we are going to be, you know, getting to a place where I can be stable. When I had my surgery, they were hoping that they would get all the cancer out. And unfortunately, it was higher up in my lymph nodes than they were expecting. So, you know, I had that surgery and was hoping to come out of it cancer free and I didn't. And so that changed the path from chemo surgery radiation to chemo surgery radiation chemo. Then we'll see what happens. So it's really hard to explain to somebody who's not going through it. They're like, oh, I thought you'd be done by now. And I was like, yeah, same. <laughs> um, it's, it's so, it's just so hard to explain to someone because it's, it's constantly changing. It's, and there is no, you're almost done. There is no, 
oh, you've, you've got this. I, 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 day to day, yes, I've got this, but I don't know what is going to be happening in even a week. I mean, I will go in for a normal doctor's appointment and my life explodes with new information. And so it's like, especially hard for my husband, who is definitely somebody who's like, we do this, we do this, and that's the result. And that's what we work with. And unfortunately, in this case, you know, things are thrown at us constantly where we have to keep changing what is happening and what the plan is. And that's really hard for others to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, I think TV has done us a great injustice, right? The answer you get bald, you throw up a lot and, and you're done. And stage four is so confusing. And, and truth be told, I didn't really get it right until I had it. Even like I had grandparents that had cancer and it was either that you got better or quite frankly, you died. And there is this middle ground with metastatic cancer that you're, it's treatable. It's not curable. And so our doctors work really well to keep us alive as long as we want to fight. And I think both of us being at a young age want to fight, right? If we want to do what we can do, we want to hang on until that amazing you like cure comes so we can and obviously i'm further along than you in this at this point so you know i have hair it's not as it's not as obvious i also walk around with one breast and i have given up on putting on a i call it my foob i don't wear my (laughs) really uncomfortable Uh uh you know there's different signs that something's not quite right so i look i look okay and but i'm like oh it's a really bad pain day and that doesn't compute for some people because what is this middle ground with metastatic breast cancer? Mm-hmm. You have bad days. It just, you can have a good day, but you have bad days. It's just enough people don't understand that you can be really quite sick, but okay, but not great, but you're not like everybody else. At least yeah. information for the general public. I, to- I mean, I totally agree with that. I'm currently walking around with a flat chest and no hair. Uh, well, you know, I say that I have a little hair. You I'm do. getting there. You do, and that's. <laughs> um, but it's. Tr- I mean, I think I am somebody who I always want to see the bright side of things. I always, you know, while I'm alive, I'm living. That's kind of how I'm living through this. Is that each each moment I'm just trying to get the best I can out of it. But it is hard because. You know, I'm constantly reminded that I have cancer when I look in the mirror. I have no breasts. I have no hair. And I think, you know, chemo physically was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But I'm currently in radiation. And I think mentally, that's the hardest thing I'm going through because I have to go every day. Every day at a set time, I'm reminded you're sick. You know, I and so there's no tricking myself that day that I'm a I'm fine because I have to go lay down and have this thing zoom around me and it's right in my face you have cancer will I have cancer tomorrow will I have cancer in a year it's so that's really hard mentally even though it shows up just as tight skin or a sunburn it's what's happening in my thoughts that is the hardest part of that so so I'm curious like you both mentioned that this is a continuous process and people struggle with understanding that. So I would imagine that you get 
a lot of kind of very well-meaning check-ins from people that end up kind of just being reminders mm -hmm. that this is that you're dealing with this thing. So I, so I guess, I guess really two questions there, right? Um, like what, what type of check-ins are you, are you prone to getting from very well-meaning individuals, but also like what kind of check-ins are helpful for like, what could, like, how can people check in on how you're doing without it being kind of this downer moment uh, for you? Yeah. I mean, I actually have a very close knit group of friends in my neighborhood. I don't think I could have gotten through the last six, seven months without them because the the check-ins from them aren't check-ins. They're just them treating me normally. And that tr normal treatment is their way of checking in. You know, them texting me and saying, uh, hey, uh, I'm doing coffee this week. Would you, do you want to come? And just that invitation, like, makes me feel so much better. Even though I might be too tired, I might be sick that day. I, you know, I might have a doctor's appointment. Just them continuing to keep me in, you know, we call ourselves the housewives of our neighborhood, like the housewives of Beverly Hills or something like that. Uh, but, you know, to, to keep me in that group is the best check-in I could have because it's, it kind of reminds me that, yeah, I have cancer and this sucks, but I'm still me and these are still my friends. Um, and I'm still, I'm still Katie. I'm just, you know, living with this crazy thing, but I'm still alive and living and I can still go to coffee and I can still meet up for the play date, you know, and I'm going to the pool with you guys. I'm not filling out this bathing suit, but I will be there. Okay. So, I mean, that's a big thing for me is the, and I don't even know if they notice that that's the check-in they're doing, but that means just so much to me that they're still including me in everything instead of being like, oh, you know what? Katie has radiation this week and I just, let's just not even invite her because that might upset her. No, it's fantastic that I'm getting that invite because then I can say, oh, you know, I may not feel good today, but I'm going to feel good in three days. Let's do something. And that is, means the world to me. I just appreciate like when I'm talking with my friends, since I am like at a different point here, if I'm like, hey, I'm kind of having a bad pain day or I'm just not feeling myself, like at this point, they know enough to be like, all right, that's cool. It's not like I have to be like, hey, remember, sometimes like I'm just like, you know, not feeling the best. I'm like have to go in some long winded explanation. Like they'll take me at my word and they'll step up or fill in or not make me feel bad for having to beg off of something. And that means a lot to me. And that actually happened last week. Like I run youth group at my church and Wednesday was just bad. And I can't give you a great reason sometimes why I wind up with a bad day, what that's the common culmination of. But I sent out um, like a Facebook message and I got like, all these people were like, hey, okay, well, we're praying for you. Take the day off. We love that you work with our kids, but you get the day off too, you know? And that, that meant a lot to me that they had my best interest at heart and they just genuinely care and understand where sometimes I just have run into a lot of people just thinking, well, I should be good now. 
but I have this group of people that's like, okay, we get it. You're not, you're not good all the time. And that means a lot that they've kind of come along this three years to be like, okay, we get that. Yeah. I, and also another way that, you know, helps is I will text my best friend who I've known since college and I will just say, I'll just send her a text that says like, this sucks or I can't believe this is happening to me. And instead of her being like, no, you've got this, like keep trucking along. She'll send back. Yeah, this really does suck. You know, like just kind of that validation that I can have a bad day, like Sarah said, is nice. You know, sometimes I'm not looking for, oh, you've got this. Oh, you're going to beat this because I don't know. I don't, you know, I want to believe that and I will until they tell me there's, you know, nothing else we can do. But, you know, having somebody say, you've got this, you're going to beat this is sometimes really hard because you're like, I don't, you don't know that. I don't know that. So for them to just validate my feelings and be like, wow, yeah, what you're going through is the worst thing I've ever heard is sometimes really nice to hear because I, you know. I think that, but then I'm like, oh, well, this person has this going on and this person has that going on. So, you know, I'm still alive and I'm still breathing. So I need to be appreciative. And so just that moment of, no, 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 you can cry. You can be mad is nice every once in a while. I don't want to dwell in that feeling forever, but I, you know, it's healthy to have that moment of mm -hmm. this is the worst. And it's nice to have you know, friends who are like, yeah, this, that, you're having a bad year. <laughs> Just that validation of, yeah, this is the worst thing ever. You don't always have to be, you know, on for us. You can be, you know, depressed or sad, or sometimes I'll just start laughing and my husband's like, oh, okay. But I just need that moment of like, wow, this is really happening to me. Like we should be outside playing and running around instead I'm have ice packs on my chest because they just removed my breasts so sometimes having that reality moment is nice and then we can move on and we can have that we're going to beat that this mentality because I think you really need that but it's nice to have those moments of you know oh crap yeah that's good thanks thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. so uh so the last question you know you've both had a, a trajectory, a path in mind for your lives that both that that path got dramatically changed uh, with your cancer diagnosis. There's a lot of people that have breast cancer that had plans for lives and are now dealing with a very different reality. I wonder what advice can you give our listeners that are facing that new reality? Okay, I'm going to say specifically for me, uh, I think it's okay to mourn what was lost, right? I think you need to process that. And that's taken um, a long time. Like when when I was at the beginning in the throes of cancer, I don't know that there was the time to specifically mourn and process that because you're just trying to live, right? And you are thrown in a hundred different directions um, with stuff to do. What we lost was not only kind of some plans for our lives, but like a child, right? And so we have found specific ways that, that we mourn Leah. But uh, I want to talk very specifically that for just a second the day that we lost was a day that i also had treatment and that's when we, we were allowed to still have people come to treatment with us can you have people come to treatment with you katie i can have one person sit with me during an infusion okay i still can't even have them up there when i get my infusion 
for her septic. Anyways, we had multiple people pre-COVID, and we would play board games while I got treatment. And so on the anniversary of Leah's passing, we have those same people, our friends come over and we play board games. And so we celebrate her life still, as short and little as it was. So we still find something good out of what was lost, right? And we still remember. But then um, I think you spoke to it nicely that you can go, this stinks and we lost something, but it's not like all the plans in the world are gone because I have cancer. Like I said before, I have two children. I have a loving husband. I have a house. He's got a great job. I still do work part-time. And currently right now, I'm blessed with a a safe place, right? My cancer. I don't think it will always be like that, but there's zero reason not to celebrate where I am. And so is this what I thought I'd be doing. No, I very much was on a track to be still teaching college and I missed that. But I'm teaching youth at my church and I have two girls to raise and I have a husband to love and I have multiple other projects that I've just decided to do around our house. Like there's stuff I can find to do to stay busy, to enjoy. And so don't let cancer rule your life because it is a disease that lies to you that says, I'm going to take over everything. And when you feel that you have those good days, push that back and say, I'm still going to live my life. Yeah. I mean, to piggyback off that, I think the thing I have learned from this journey is you need to take control of what you can. Mm -hmm. I, I can't control my cancer. I can't control my treatment, but I can control, um, you know, spreading the word about inflammatory breast cancer, mm -hmm. uh, helping a fellow cancer survivor or thriver you know, get through these steps. I started when this all, when this all happened, I was not really somebody who would share too much personal stuff, but for some reason, I just knew I needed to take this cancer diagnosis and make it a good thing for other people. I started a blog called momsdon'tgetsick.com where just, I'm just kind of being real about what's happening and what I can take control of. Yeah, I like Sarah said, I have three children that I still have to raise, even though I have stage four breast cancer. You know, each day I make sure that I'm doing something that's in my control and not letting the cancer stop me from living. Like I said, while I'm still alive, it's uh, there's a metaphor of like when you step on an anthill, do the ants just roll over and call it a day? No, they start rebuilding that anthill that's what you've got to do and it's hard you know people will say to me how do you stay so positive how do you put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to tell you right now it is the hardest thing I've ever had to do is to keep moving but I refuse I refuse to let this cancer stop this amazing life I have because it is it truly is I have a husband who is my absolute best friend, he's the love of my life. And I have three beautiful children. I have amazing friends. It's hard to say, you know, it's crazy to say I'm so blessed when I have cancer at 29 years old, but I am. And so it's just something that you have to find the things you can control because if you focus on the things you can't, it's going to eat you from the inside out. I can't control if my cancer's spreading. I can't control if the treatments are working. But hey, I can control 
that we're going to make cookies tonight and watch a Disney movie. Okay. So that's what I'm going to do. You just got to really focus on the things you can do instead of the things you can't. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing advice uh, from both of you. I can't, I cannot thank you both enough for, for giving us that insight, for sharing your story, for being vulnerable. Um, Thank you for your story. uh, And thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.